You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about Grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. We're on this journey with John, and um, I've enjoyed this. I hope you have too. And what we talked about last week, if you were here last week, we talked about these signs, right? These signs that Jesus performed. And he would do something, he would do a miracle, and the miracle itself was normally really cool. Like if you're at a party and somebody turns all the water into wine, that's cool. That's a good miracle. That's, everyone's like, okay, that's neat. Right? Or if, you, or, if you, or if there's a guy who's been paralyzed for 38 years and Jesus heals him, that's neat, right? But the signs always pointed to something even cooler than the sign itself. What the miracle pointed to was always actually greater than the miracle itself. And so we talked about that last week. And this week we're going we're gonna to talk about another one. And, um, man, this is so it's weird just doing this, but... I guess I should have thought about this before, before we came up with this. But all right, so John 2, John 2, uh, 11, it says, What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So remember, John has an agenda, and the agenda is, is that you would know that Jesus was the Christ and that through knowing he was Christ, you would place your faith in him and you would have life. And so these signs that Jesus is doing, these are just further evidence that he is who they thought he was, that he is the king of the world, that he's, that he's God in a body, that he's the son of God, that he's all these things, right? And so this week, we're going to talk about another sign, and this may be uh, my favorite story in the entire Bible. And like this week, I actually really mean it because... There is something about this story that is so amazing. Oh, and by the way, like I, I want to say this real quick before we go any further. If you're listening and at any point you're super bored or disgusted, I just want you to remember that in this orientation, you're all on camera. So, <laughs> so you might want to act interested because <laughs> you're all on camera today. Um, all right, so let, let's, let's go to John chapter 6. If you have your Bible, uh, I hope you will open up to this. If not, it will be on the screens. Uh, so John 6, it says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to a mountainside and sat down with his disciples, for the Jewish Passover festival was near. Okay, so let's go back one on that one if you don't mind, Kathy. It says, uh, sometime after he crossed over and a great crowd is following, why is the crowd following Jesus? Because the signs he's performing, right? It doesn't say, and a great crowd followed him because they loved him so much. It doesn't say a great crowd followed him because they could not wait to throw themselves at the feet of the king. They couldn't wait to hug him. They couldn't wait to hold him. It says a great crowd followed him because they saw the things he was doing. They followed him because of what was in it for them, right? Good thing that's changed. So, so the crowd is following Jesus, not because they're in love with Jesus, but because of what Jesus is doing for them. And man, when I read that this week, and some of you know this, if you're new, this will be new information for you. Uh, I've got one leg. I lost it in a car wreck when I was little. I think I had my seventh birthday in the hospital. But at that point in time, uh, I was in the hospital for like three or four months, and my family moved from the house that I had grown up in to a new home, a new home with a bunch of kids and a neighborhood, and I didn't know any of the kids or anything. But while I was in the hospital for the three, four months, whatever it was, uh, my parents were in a Sunday school class. Have y'all ever heard of that? A Sunday school class. It's something they used to have. Uh, it's this class where people got together. But um, so my parents were in a Sunday school class, and they had lots of friends. And while I was in the hospital, the friends brought, bought me all the toys. And when I say all the toys, I mean 
all the toys. I had every Transformer ever made. Um, I had every G.I. Joe. I wish I still had them. Those things are worth money now, but I, I burned a lot of them. But I, I had every Transformer. It was a science project for eighth grade, the effects of fire on plastic. I did not get a good grade. But I had every Transformer, every G.I. Joe, every He-Man. I mean, I had it all, right? And so somehow the kids in the neighborhood, because I, I, I couldn't wear a leg yet. So I'm just sitting in the house. You know, it's like wasn't, they weren't picking me for kickball. I and mean, I was just sitting there, right? And so... I guess somehow the kids found out that I had all the toys because the kids started showing up at my house and they would come in and they would play with my toys and then they would leave. They never said, hey, how are you doing with that whole, you know, one leg thing? That's got to be tough. Or, you know, can I give you a hug? Or, I mean, kids don't do that. But what I realized, even at the age of seven was the kids weren't there for me. They were there for my toys. They, they didn't really come to see Tommy. They came to see He-Man, which... Very similar, obvious. <laughs> you can see obvious connections with that now. But, but I mean, they weren't there for me. They were there for the stuff I had. And what a lonely feeling that is. And I think, I think for people who are super famous or super powerful in the world, they probably feel that. That's why the, the, someone can have all the money in the world, all the power, all the fame, and they end up just going off the deep end because what a lonely feeling it must be to know that everyone around you all the time isn't there for you. They're there for what they can get from you. And, and, I, and I feel like as I'm reading this, this passage, I feel like, man, maybe that's how a lot of us still approach Jesus. You know, we approach Jesus not because we love him or because we want to be with him, but because we want something from him. And you know why I think this is true? Because do you know how many times I have left or you have left or you have left church and said something like this? I didn't get much out of it. None of y'all have ever said that, but at the other church, they say that, right? Right? I didn't get much out of it. I didn't get much out of it. You know, I, I mean, I, I was there, and the music wasn't the song I wanted, and the pastor didn't do what I wanted, and no one said hi to me at the door, and, you know, I, I didn't get much out of it. And, 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 and here's, here's what I, th I want us to hear today, and this is the point of where I'm going today. You cannot be in an authentic relationship with anyone if the relationship centers around what you want out of that person. You can have no authentic, there's no intimacy in a relationship if the relationship centers around and hovers around what you're getting out of it. And so as we talk through this passage today, I think we're going to see uh, how that played out for Jesus. And so... Um, verse 5, Let's, I think it's verse 5. When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming toward him. And he said to Philip, Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people? And he asked that only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered, it would take more than a year and a half's wages to buy enough bread for each person to have a bite. And so there's, the crowd is coming, the crowd is moving up the mountain, and Jesus sees the crowd coming. Imagine thousands, we're about to find out 5,000 people, so the crowd is coming. And Jesus looks at them, and you know what he doesn't say is, hey, Philip, I wonder who's going to hug me first. Hey, Philip, I wonder who's going to surrender everything they have to me first. Hey, hey Philip, I wonder who's going to beg for forgiveness for the life of sin they've lived first. He looks, and he says, hey, Philip, where are we going to get enough food to feed everybody? Because I know what they're coming for. They're not coming for the kid. They're coming for the toys. They're coming for the stuff. They're coming for the bread. So, Philip, where are we getting enough bread? And Philip's like, 
I, I don't, there's not enough bread. I don't know where, there's not enough bread. And Jesus is like, no, there, there's at least six Dollar Generals within a minute and a half from here. We have to, oh no, that's here, I'm sorry. There was only two there. And there wasn't even enough Dollar Generals to get all the bread. So they're like, I have no idea where we're going to get the bread to handle this particular problem, all right? And, it, and it's close to Passover, and so all these things are going on. And then Andrew, this is the next verse, Andrew, um, it says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother speaks up. Here's a boy, and he's got five small loaves of bread and two fish, right? It's, do y'all hear this? Oh, I got some food. You want to feed all of them? Here's a kid with five loaves of bread and two fish. Do y'all know what, what Andrew is being? Smarty britches. He's being, he's being smarty bridges. Like, let the Bible breathe. Let it be real people. Oh, you want to feed them all? I got a plan. Here, this kid's got a, got a sack lunch. How about that, Jesus? Why don't you take that and do something with it? <laughs> right? That's what's going on here. And so Jesus takes it and does something very Jesus-y, what no one expects. In verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in this place. And so they sit down, about 5,000 men were there, which, by the way, there's obviously more than 5,000 people. We're just counting them in. Jesus took the loaves, and he gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of bread that were left over by those who had eaten. Guys, this is... The, the amount of food Jesus has in his hand is not enough for a small family. This is the lunch for a small boy. And Jesus takes this, and everyone's like, what's he, any blood? It'd be like this. Um, hold on. I got a, oh, I got a cheesy cracker right here. I normally do. <laughs> well, you, know, you never know when you're going to get hungry. And so I've got a cheesy cracker right here in my pocket. It, it would be the equivalent of me saying, all right, guys, today we're going to have communion. This is it. This is all we've got. But before I divide it amongst you all, I'm going to bless it. You'd be like, he's being sacrilegious. You, you can't, the cheesy, one cheesy cracker is going to feed us all. We don't have anything to drink. What we can drink, right? What we can drink. Everyone would be panicked. But what Jesus does is take a cheesy cracker like this. I like on him. I think it's actually a Cheez-It. <laughs> he takes a Cheez-It and he goes, all right, I'm going to feed everybody. And then he blesses it. And they're like, yeah, right. And they're sitting there and they're eating going, yeah, right. And then the guy next to him is eating, and they're going, yeah, right. And then they're getting full, going, yeah, right. Hold, hold on. And then Jesus was like, all right, now pick up all the cheesy crackers that are left. Because we don't want to waste any of them, right, because they're delicious. <laughs> and so he picks up 12 baskets of leftovers. And it's Passover. And so this is, this is pointing to something that on Passover, uh, the people uh, needed to be delivered from slavery in Egypt. And so God delivered them by passing over. And then out in the desert, he gave them manna and he took care of them. And Jesus is pointing. Jesus is saying, I am, I am. I am that God. I can provide for everyone's needs. I've got you. I, I've, I've provided for. And so Jesus does something, of course, that points to something greater. And so we, we carry on with the verse and it says, after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who's come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdraws to a mountain by himself. Okay, so they see what Jesus does, and it's like for a minute, they're like, surely this must be the one who comes from God. 
for just a moment, they're able to see who the sign is pointing to, not just the sign, because their belly is full. But as their belly is not full, they go, let's make him king. Why do they want to make him king? Because they want to surrender their life to him? Because they want to give him everything? No, why do they want him to be king? Yeah, because if he's the king, we'll have whatever we want. Appetite, right? If he's the king, we'll have cheesy, cheesy crackers all we want all the time. If he's the king, we'll overthrow the Romans. If he's the king, we'll have no more bondage. If he's the king, we'll have wine at every part. If he's the king, think of everything I will have. And if you're here today because of what you want from the king, then you really have no idea what it means to be in a relationship with the king. It's so much more than that. So much more. So Jesus sees all of these things. And then this is, this is hilarious right here. So in, in verse 25, it says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they go looking for him, right? The whole crowd, thousands of people searching for him. And it says, when, and remember, he's withdrawn to go be by himself because he knows it's not time for him to be that king yet. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they were like, how did you get here? <laughs> They're searching for him. This is like some creepy dude stalking a woman in the, in the supermarket and being like, oh, hey, I didn't know you were on this aisle and this aisle and this aisle. They show up and they're like, you go here? We go, you go here? Jesus is like, what are you talking about? You guys have been following me. You, they didn't care how he got there. Let's find out what they really cared about. It says, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Don't work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. He says, man, he said, this, this, this is what you want? More bread, more tricks, more gimmicks? Don't, don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am yet? I'm the Son of God. I'm God in a body. I came here to give you everything to give you life, to, to, to make every single thing in your world different. Why don't you see it? Why are you still begging me for scraps? Why am I not sufficient for you right now? Why is it not enough just to be with me, just to sit with me? And the minute you don't get what you want, the minute the healing doesn't happen, the minute the job doesn't come, the minute, the, the minute I don't do what you want me to do, you turn your back on me. I'm the king. I died on a cross for you. Tell me why I'm not sufficient for you. Y'all ever seen Notting Hill, anybody? I don't know why I think of this. All right, there's, there's a beautiful scene in that movie where, where, where uh, Julia Roberts, she's standing in front, and she says, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love me. I, I just picture Jesus going, I'm just God standing in front of the world asking the world to love me. I'm just God. I'm just the one who spoke you into existence. I'm just the one who takes care of your forever. I'm just the one who makes sure that people like you will never, ever die. Even if there's death in this world, you'll have an eternal life with me. I am everything. Just love me. Just, just, just sit at my feet for a minute and just receive who I am. We're begging for scraps when what the king offers is the king. And he knows it. And I just can't think that it doesn't break his heart. And listen to what the people say because, because we're people in verse 30. So they asked him, yeah, okay, 
What sign are you going to give it? But what sign are you going to give us? What are you going to do? What are you going to do for us? Our ancestors ate man in the wilderness. It's written. He gave them heaven. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. It's, that's written. What are you going to give us? Give, give, give. No, yeah, we, we heard, a, but mm, mm, Because if you don't give us what you want, guess what we're going to do, Jesus? We're going to go to a different church. If you don't give us what we want, if you don't entertain us, we'll just go to a different church. And then we'll go to that church and we'll tell them how bad you were. And then when we leave that church, we'll tell them how bad that second church was. And then when they don't give us what we want, when the program's not there, when I'm not fed the way I want, when I don't receive what I want, I'm just going to keep bouncing around until I find the people who give me what I want because I am here to eat. And Jesus is like, oh, I had a misunderstanding the whole time. I thought you were here to fall on your knees and serve me. I didn't realize. I didn't realize it was about you. You're the cornerstone? My bad. I think Jesus... I think his heart breaks a little bit when we approach him with this attitude. What am I going to get out of it? Because if that's what you say, what am I going to get out of it? Then you don't yet understand what the it points to. If, if you're coming every week going, what am I going to get out of this? And when you, you don't get it, you don't understand who the it points to. And that's okay. You can start there. Listen, I hope there is someone in the room today that you're here just because you love the music. Because, because that's good. That, 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 that got you in the room. But I pray to God you don't stay that way. Yeah. Because what if one day, I, I think about this, I threaten it on a weekly basis in staff meeting, that I'm just going to stand here and read the Bible. Matter of fact, we're going to put it on the Facebook. This Sunday, we're just going to stand and read the Bible. How, how many people you think will show up? Not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> we're just going to pray. We're just going to have, you know what, we're just going to pray. We're just going to have an hour of prayer. Um, we're all just going to be on our knees for an hour. Um, put that out on Facebook, see what happens. What are, what are we here for? Because I, I can tell you what Jesus, he gets, I feel like he's, the frustration is just kind of, I don't know, building up inside of him in this next verse, in, in verse John 6, 53, and he says to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, you remain in me, and I in you. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna, and guess what? They died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Whoever feeds on me will live forever. So I, want, I want to give you something greater. Every healing you want is not going to happen. Every prayer you pray is not going to be answered. Every, every job, every, every month, every, it's not. But guess what? Guess what you do have in this life? The king. And he says, let that be sufficient for you. Feed on me. Love me. Draw close to me and everything will be provided for and guess what the crowd did? This is, this is great because, again, it's, it's just so me so many times in my life. John 6, 66. That's a scary verse, but John 6, 6. says, from this time, many of his disciples turned and stopped following him. There's no nachos. We're not coming. There ain't going to be no nachos. We're not showing up, right? Now, you're not going to feed us. We're not coming. This is the minute they didn't get what they wanted. When, when there wasn't a show, when there wasn't a performance, when there wasn't a, many disciples stopped following him. But, but this, this is what I want you all to hear today. Not all of them. 
A lot of people walked away because Jesus didn't do what they wanted him to do. But some people stayed because they realized Jesus was. Not, not, not that Jesus was, was doing, but that he was who they needed him to be. He might not have done what they wanted him to do, but he is who we need him to be. And ch check out this next verse. Throw that one up there for me. It says, you don't want to leave me too. Je Jesus turns to the other. He says, y'all want to leave? Anybody else want to leave? And Simon Peter says, where would we go? Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Not we've come to believe and know that you're going to give us bread every time we want it. Not that we come to believe and know that everything's going to be fine in this world. Not that we come to believe that, that it's going to be pain-free, problem-free, and we're going to have health, wealth, and prosperity. Not we've come to believe not what you will do, but who you are, and who you are is sufficient, so we're not going anywhere else. And Guys, I, I feel like that's the gospel for us today. Small day like this. Again, y'all are here, uh, either because you're incredibly devoted or incredibly boatless. But we're, we're here, right? We're here together <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, right? And, and I just I want to commend you. So many of you are here for the right reason. You're not here for me. I don't care who preaches up here. It doesn't matter. You're here for the me. It doesn't matter who's singing. You're here because you're in love with the king. And when that becomes the mindset and the mentality of the church, then it is true that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If it's built around a person or a people or a program or, or nachos, then it will fail you. There will be a day, if you're here as a consumer, there will be a day when we have a product that you don't want to consume. But if you're here as a servant of the king, the king is always worthy of praise. And nothing can stop what happens in this place. And so here's my challenge for this week. For seven days, that's from this Sunday to next Sunday, Pray every day. That's number one. Pray every day. Number two, don't ask the king for anything. For seven days, let your prayers be free of request and full of offerings. For seven days, God, what, what, what do you not have from me? What do you want from me? God, wh wh where do you want me to go? I will do anything you tell me to do, God. I'm not asking you for anything other than direction. You give me direction and I will be obedient. I'm not asking for a healing. I'm not asking to win the lottery. I'm not asking for anything. I'm only asking for you to take me and use me in whatever way you want to. And if you will pray that prayer for seven days, let me tell you the first thing that will happen. At some point, you better write this down if you take notes. At some point, you will get an answer you don't want from God. You ask God for seven days what God wants from you, and at some point, God will say, are you, are you for real? You, you want to play this game? All right. I got something for you. You know that person? Write them a note. Tell them you love them. Oh, you, you know that person did that thing? Forgive them. You know that, that stuff that you don't want to let go of? Let go of it. He will ask for an obedience that might just change your world. Seven days. And, and we can't do this on our own. So thank God we're not on our own. Bruce, will you help me? Thank God we are not on our own. You and I have something that's greater than ourselves to fall back on in moments like this. What we have is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so this is my brother Bruce, by the way. I'll give that for my brother Bruce there. It's good to have <laughs> What we have is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. You're not on your own. The people in the story, they had an excuse 
You know why? Because Jesus had not yet died and resurrected. Guess who doesn't have an excuse? All of us. We have the Holy Spirit of the living God dwelling inside of us. And so what more do you need? What more do you want? Jesus got around a table with his friends and said, boys, I'm about to send you out into the world to do some crazy things. He said, but first, this is my body. Feast on it. This is my body. Feast on it. I give it to you so that wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you will know that I am in you and you are in me and we are one together. You can't do this without me. And so he gave him the, the bread and he said, take and eat all of you. This is my body for the forgiveness of sins. And after the supper was over, he took a cup and he said, this is my blood. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many. As often as you drink this, you feast on my blood and you remember who I am and you receive power that is not your own, strength that is not your own, obedience that is not your own, and you remember that everything you ever needed, I gave you one time. And anything else I do is icing on an incredibly beautiful cake. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. And if you know this, say it with me. As we declare this mystery of faith that says, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And his Holy Spirit is poured out in this room. And now, God, will you pour your spirit out on these gifts of bread and wine that they may be for us the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, that we may be the body of Christ for the world. God, make us strong. Make us bold. No more prayers for safety. Make us bold, God. God, and if it means we lay down some of our freedom out of love and life, then we'll do it. Whatever you ask of us, it belongs to you. We love you and we trust you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.